Head over to Hulu this March, where our new shows and movies will keep you streaming all month long. Catch the acclaimed movie, All of Us Strangers, starring Paul Mescal and Andrew Scott. Stream the new Hulu original limited series, We Were the Lucky Ones, with Joey King and Logan Lerman. And don't forget about Grey's Anatomy. Every Grey's episode ever is now streaming on Hulu. So, what are you waiting for? Go stream something new on Hulu. This podcast is for entertainment purposes only and does not replace your own financial, tax, legal, or financial product advice. Hello, Australia. Welcome to My Millennial Money. I'm Glenn James. Today on the podcast, we are talking about your expensive hobbies and how we can factor them into our budget, into our life, if they are a premium expensive hobby. Now, Lauren today, she's into horses. I know a lot of you that listen are into horses and all that stuff. So, I just want you to know there is no one way to do your money, to do your hobbies and all that stuff. And two, yes, having an expensive hobby, it is a luxury. So, we just need to know that. Not everyone can have a horse. Not everyone can have a motorbike. Not everyone can have a boat. Not everyone can have a, I don't know, $7,000 mountain bike. So, whatever your thing is, you just need to be smart and intentional with how you factor that into your budget. You'll hear from Lauren how she uh, got a little bit creative and made it work for her. So, be encouraged. Thanks for listening. And you would have just heard that we are coming to Brisbane on the 27th of May. So, it's two weeks from today. So, get your tickets. There's a few tickets left. Uh, It's going to be small. It's going to be intimate. And we're going to have a lot of fun. It's going to be great to meet a lot of you. Uh, And the tour does start in two weeks. Grab your ticket. We'll feed you. We'll drink you. And don't leave it to the last minute. I don't want messages on the night of the Brisbane tour at 6 p.m. saying, I can't buy my ticket. Bloody get your ticket now. Anyway, thanks so much for listening. I'll see you guys live all around Australia. Let's get it on. We've got a listener of the show, Lauren from Sydney. She's joining me right now in the studio. Hey, Lauren, how are you? Hey, I'm excited to be here. Yeah, and thank you so much for reaching out and wanting to share your story because, you know, Expensive hobbies, they're a real thing, right? They are a real thing and they they can be really, really painful. Um, Like I've had many conversations actually in your Facebook group about the subject and so it seemed like a topic many people could relate to. Now, Lauren, we had a quick chat before we started rolling. We really want to talk about um, like you've got an expensive hobby and you've managed to monetize that. Correct. So it's not all about just for you throwing out all this money at your hobby and we'll we'll find out what your hobby is soon. I just want to like draw people out a little bit more. It's not about just throwing money at this hobby. Uh, you've actually made it into a bit of a side hustle. Yeah, yeah. Um, and I won't lie, it took me a, quite a long time to realise it could be an income stream. Uh, and once I realised, I sort of went, oh my gosh, why haven't I thought of this sooner? And Actually, obviously, it's great as an income stream, but it's also so much fun. It's it's not working for me. I'm getting paid to do what I love. Yeah, it's like me in the podcasting world. <laughs> now, before we get into the expensive hobby, uh, tell us a little bit about yourself. We know that you're Lauren from Sydney. 
That is true. I'm actually Lauren originally from South Africa. Um, uh, I moved around a lot growing up. So I think I worked out and I spent an average of four years in a place and then picked up and moved on. So this hobby was actually one of my parents' way of ensuring that as a kid I had continuity and a way to make friends in every place I settled, which was really great of them. In hindsight, it was absolutely fantastic. Um, settled in Sydney about seven years ago. I just came here for uni and the plan was to, to leave, go off around the world, but I kind of got stuck here. I love it. And what did you study at uni and what are you doing for work? <laughs> I changed my degree three times, ended up with a Bachelor of Media and I actually work in superannuation risk management now. Oh, wow. So. Sounds bloody boring. <laughs> no, joking. Do you, do you like your job? I absolutely love it. Really? Um, and I know that sounds really strange, but it's... I learn something new every day and mm. I'm such a nosy human that mm. I'm getting paid to be nosy. As a risk manager, they literally pay me to ask questions. Wow. So that's kind awesome. of ideal. Yeah. Love that. So you're working in uh, the big smoke, you're doing risk management. Uh, you actually bought your first property last year at the age of 25. Yes, I did. So that was amazing. Yeah. Uh, it was very, very, very scary. I had a big period of buyer's regret. Mm. Um, and I think I only recently, seven months afterwards, made peace with the fact that, oh, I have a mortgage coming out yeah. of my bank account every month. But so, so how did you, so you purchased a two bedroom uh, unit or townhouse or something like that? A uh, unit, yeah. yeah. You know, close to the city in Sydney. How did you go about saving a deposit? Were you given a deposit? Were you given a house? How did it all go? I think first and foremost, I need to acknowledge that I am quite privileged in a way. Um, I have very supportive parents and they, they don't live in Sydney, but they do have um, a property in Sydney because pre-COVID their plan was to move here. Right. So I they allowed me for, I think, two years to live in their property, which really, really helped me save uh, while so I rent worked full time. Yes. Well, I covered all the utilities, internet, any time something needed to be repaired, I covered that, but they didn't charge me like a weekly rent. So wow. that I acknowledge I was incredibly Yeah, that is a big leg up. Um, so I think it was, it was two years, mm. which was great because I was not on a fantastic salary at the time. I worked as a, at a, one of the big four consulting firms. And if you don't know, they're notorious for paying under market value. So when I first started, actually in 2016, uh, my yearly salary was 44 grand, super inclusive. Wow. Yeah. So, For like a grad position. Yes. Wow. Um, and so obviously if my parents hadn't been in a position to really help out, it would have been a lot harder to get to where I got to last year. Wow. It's just fascinating that someone can go to uni, have a, a huge hex debt and yeah. rock up and get uh, $44,000. Yeah. Look, it was it was a challenge. And actually that first year was I was paying rent in a really, really crappy share apartment. Uh, I shared it with four people. We lived on top of an art studio and we didn't technically even have a front door. And I think that was the situation that in combined with my parents wanting to move to Sydney, they're like, okay, we'll get a property. Mm. We won't charge you rent, but you take care, you cover everything else and you don't have to live in a place where we fear for your safety. <laughs> So the expensive hobby while this was going on, had it been monetized at the time or was it funded by mum and dad at the time? It was funded by being my request for every Christmas, every birthday, every special event. I asked um, for funds to contribute to this. Awesome. Um, again, lucky parents, but I, I did spend 
equal amounts on this hobby as I did on my rent. Love it. Well, let's cut to the chase. What's your expensive hobby? I am a horse girl. Ooh. Yes. Nay, One nay, of them. nay. <laughs> Saddle club all the way. And uh, hello to our fellow horsey friends out there. <laughs> I know there's a few of you that listen and you love your horsies and you have your horsies. They're the best things. They scare me. Really? Yep, absolutely. I don't know what it is. The um, size, the smell, the teeth. The teeth are pretty big. You know what I think it is? And this is so wild because I went horse riding a few years ago at Glenworth Valley oh, and yeah. I actually really loved riding the horses. Okay. Right? And I was thinking I should actually come out here and do it more or- Yeah. Because it actually, because I was a motorbike rider and I was like, this is like one like horsepower. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> It's a and motorbike with a brain. Yeah, exactly. And I really loved it. And I think even after this conversation today, I'm, I probably need to look into it more. But I, I think growing up, uh, my pop had a property out the back of Gloucester. Okay. Had an acreage and there was, you know, stock and cattle and all that stuff. Mm-hmm. And it was from just such a young age. It was like, don't stand behind the horse. Ah, uh, yeah. And when you're feeding it, have your hand flat. Yes, and I don't know if it was just hypersensitive to this thing is huge, <laughs> this thing is scary, but they still freak me out being mm. around them close. Have you been near a miniature horse? Is that called a pony? No, there's a breed called a miniature and wow. they're probably up to your knees. Wow. Start there, you won't be scared. Wow. Yeah. That sounds like um, it's a lab horse or something. <laughs> lab grown for your entertainment. Yeah. Wow. Okay. So yeah. So you're a horsey gal. I am self-confessed. So, okay. Let's just realistically, you might have an expensive hobby that isn't a horsey. So Mm -hmm. how can we learn from the principles uh, that Lauren's going to talk about? So ordinarily, like how much does it cost to be a horsey gal? Oh, uh, that can really depend on whether you're in the city or in the country. I'm going to use my example. I've always lived in the city, so it's been really expensive. And is that expensive because you – so firstly, to be a horsey gal or Mm -hmm. a horsey guy or – and I'll probably stop being a dickhead. So if you own a horse (laughs) or if you're you're into horsing as a hobby or I don't even know what you call it. uh, Horse riding. A horse riding. Thank you. (laughs) Or an equestrian. Yes. (laughs) Thank you. If you're into horse riding as a hobby – like, do most people own their horse or do you rent a horse or borrow one? In, <laughs> in the city. Sorry about all these horseplay. That's <laughs> all right. That's why I'm here. Yeah. Um, in the city, it's not that common to own your own horse. It's more common to go to a riding school. Owning your horse, own horse is very expensive. If you're in Sydney City, then the best place, most common place, if you are a horse owner, is Centennial Park. I don't know the figures for sure, mm. but it is thousands and thousands and thousands of dollars to keep stable your own horse there per year. Mm. I've heard it costing up to $35,000 just to keep your horse, right? So a lot of us who can't cough that up, which is, you know, the Mm. majority of us, we go for weekly, bi-weekly, fortnightly lessons, and they can be group or private. I did like private lessons. I felt like I got a lot more out of them. But for example, one uh, hour private lesson would set me back about $140 every session. Yeah. Okay. So again, you know, $140 is a once off, not a lot of money, but if you want to do it once a fortnight, adds well, up. I wanted to do it twice a week. So okay, that's, that's two, an expensive 280 hobby. a week. Yeah. So 
With this whole horsing, and like there's a lot of listeners that have property and own horses, mm. like legitimately own the property and own the horses, mm-hmm. and that's got expenses within itself. Yeah. At what point as a horse riding enthusiast or a horse rider, do you stop doing lessons and just get a horse and go randomly in the bush? So I have a really close friend of mine. She's also a risk manager. I used to have one hour private lessons with her and eventually she was just uh, like, no, this is too much. So she's leasing a horse and she actually keeps it up in Glenworth Valley where you Uh, rode. Yeah. Um, And that sets her back. The the adjustment fee, which is keeping it there, costs about $80 a week. And I think that's inclusive of feed. And she just has to drive up there. Uh, she covers farrier, vet bills, all that. Mm. But it's a lot more economically viable than yeah. um, someone who rides in the city, obviously. Yeah. And she loves that because then she just goes up whenever she can. So for an example, when you say a horse lesson, mm-hmm. is that the kind of what you're paying for, but you're actually not getting lessons? You're just riding with an instructor or riding with somebody or are they actually teaching you still? So I always, I always got lessons. Yep. You can lease a horse from a stables and then do like self rides or whatever they call it yep. uh, for less of a cost. So maybe $50, $60 an hour. Yep. But that's in addition to the, the fee that you pay for leasing the horse. Mm. All right. So I've got a bit of a lay of the land. Um, you know, you're a city girl, horse riding, you pay for lessons. So how did we turn this into monetizing your hobby? Well, it was something I was thinking for months. I want to, wouldn't it be cool if I could monetize this? Wouldn't it be cool if I monetize this? I actually stopped riding for a couple of months to save for my property uh, towards the end period. And I really missed it. So for actually for my anniversary with my partner, he surprised me by taking me on a horse ride uh, down south. And it was amazing. And during the ride, the guide actually turned around and said, I can see that you you ride. And I was like, yes, actually, like I miss it so much. And then just, just off a whim, I was like, any chance, you know, you have some vacancies? And she said, absolutely. We need someone to lead trails and teach lessons, would you be comfortable doing that? I've never taught a writing lesson in my life, but I was like, yep, sure, sign me up. It's just something that I wanted and I wanted, I wanted, and then it just, it happened. Wow, fascinating. So ultimately now your side hustle is- One of them. One of, oh, hello. One of them, one of your side hustles Mm -hmm. is you're now a horse- Riding instructor. Yes, you got the terminology right. Giddy up, not my first rodeo. (laughs) Still horsing around though. I know. Um, So yeah, I I lead trail rides. So it's it's a manic day. We get there really early. We feed the horses. We bring them in from the, the paddock. We take trail rides out. And then if there's a private lesson... Um, I will teach that. I generally teach children. I'm more comfortable teaching children because they're just kind of like anything goes. Mm. Um, but we do have some children that are quite a challenge because they're terrified of everything. Mm. Um, so it's a good lesson in patience. Yeah, totally. <laughs> yeah, right. It's okay. And how many uh, days a month are you down at the ranch or whatever? <laughs> and what suburb? Is it like bigger or is that it, far down? No, or? it's... it's um, <sighs> Otford. Okay. So yeah, it's actually, it's a train, it's a train right away. So I prefer not to drive down there because yeah. it's really early start. I just jump on the train at Central. It takes me to Otford and I'm at the farm. Yeah. Um, so it's really convenient to get there. Yep. So I started off doing it once a week, every Sunday. And now I do it about every fortnight because mm. it just got a little bit crazy working six and a half days a week. Yeah, totally. And how much do you, would you get paid for a day? 
It depends. Um, roughly like $25, $27 an hour. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. But it's still like you're getting, you're getting the horse itch scratched and getting Completely. paid for it. Like I, I don't need to ride any more than yeah. I do. So. Yeah. Oh, um, that's fascinating. Yeah. And what's your other side hustle? So I have a couple. Right now I'm actually cat sitting. Uh, for a friend, which is great. Um, it's really nice. You get to like have a mini staycation around the city. Yeah. Um, but my biggest one is writing. Yeah. So I do content writing, copywriting, ghostwriting for mm. companies. Um, and right now I'm also developing like educational writing materials for a firm. Wow. So it's it's busy. Yeah. And do you have plans to, to quit your nine to five, quote unquote, and build up your contracting business? I plan to have the option right now. um, Like I said, I really like my job because I'm learning so much, Um, but I obviously want to, freedom is about having the choice, right? Mm. So if I want to quit and just travel around the world writing once we're allowed to travel again, um, I'd like to say, yes, that's actually a viable option Mm. or no, I'm happy staying in my nine to five. And have you got longer term goals to have a property out of um, the CBD area and actually own your own horses? I would love that. Mm. Um, I'm not sure if it will be in in New South Wales though. Yeah. Um, so obviously I'm I'm South African. Uh, my partner is actually South American. So we're tossing up. You know, do we after a couple of years want to move to a different country, settle there? What part of South America is he He's from? He's Colombian. Ah, good coffee yeah. there. Yes, excellent. Some other good stuff that came out of <laughs> Colombia. <laughs> yes, my partner. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Can't snort him though, can I? <laughs> oh, I wouldn't recommend it. No. <laughs> Uh, yeah. So you could be moving to South South America. America or just maybe outside Auckland. So the financial institution I work for also has a branch in Auckland. Mm. So if I wanted to maintain kind of that corporate lifestyle, but also have the property with the horses, then Auckland might be a good option. When you immigrated mm-hmm. from South Africa, yep. did you go via New Zealand? No. Because a lot of uh, people do. No, um, I think that was supposed to be (laughs) that was supposed to be the stop after Australia. But then my dad's job actually recalled him uh, to Hong Kong. So Ah, old honkers. Yeah. So that was actually the second time we lived in Hong Kong. So just moved moved back there, and luckily I could pick up my expensive hobby again and remake all my horse friends. Yeah. So if you owned your own property, Mm -hmm. would you? would you start some type of adjustment type thing or? I think so. Yeah. Um, obviously it's, it's an, ex- horses are expensive and I don't think it's something, I think it'd be hard to do it part time without throwing a lot of money at it. Yeah. Potentially adjustment. I like, I like monetizing my hobbies. Yeah. Uh, fun fact, horse riding is not the first hobby that I've monetized. What was the first one? Uh, sailing. Ah, yeah. So, How did you do that? Um, so my dad is Dutch. He grew up sailing and it was kind of like our father-daughter bonding activity. Just not those large, luxurious yachts, but those tiny little dinghies that just for two people yeah, and yeah, you kind yeah. of bob around in. Yeah. Uh, so he used to take me for lessons at our local sailing club. And then when I hit 14 years old, um, the club owner was like, we need assistant instructors to kind of help on the holidays with school camps. Would you be interested in doing this, you know, first aid course, training course, mm. and kind of becoming an assistant sailing instructor? And obviously I didn't know anything about you know, budgets or monetizing things back then, but I just, it made so much sense to my 14 year old brain to get paid for doing what I loved. Totally. And I think a lot of the concepts in life, 
we, as we get older, we take on baggage and complexity. Mm. Where if we can just go back to this, oh, how do I do something that, and, I, love. that I like and try and scoop some cash along the way? Yeah. No, absolutely. I think mm. you've, you've hit the nail on the head and I think that's why so many people are unhappy. See, I've got an expensive hobby. Do you? But I, I don't know how to monetize it. Is it talking to people on no, no. So my first, so <laughs> yeah, well, hobby, my first kind of side hustle slash hobby yeah. was the podcast. I was working full time in my financial planning business doing my millennial money on the side. And Look how that turned yeah, out. Yeah. And then that kind of exploded. And now I'm doing the podcasting full time mm-hmm. and the tech side of it is the hobby, which I've kind of stopped. Wait, you know, tech? Like the what? Equipment. Oh. Yeah. Like my studio at home, it's probably got 60 grand worth of tech stuff mm. just because I like playing out with tech stuff and I wanted to, you know, shoot everything in 4K. And so the tech side of it was Here a go. hobby. Like a little freelance film business, like film production yeah, company. Yeah, but I'm just, it's too much effort. But my expensive hobby <laughs> is boating. Boating? So I own a big boat with a Ooh. friend and it costs us $400 to fuel up. Oh my word. And... That's more than my weekly budget. (laughs) (laughs) I know. It's like, it's so wild. And I'll probably get so much hate from people because. (sighs) No, I think it's a testament to you put, you have a, I think it's, it's a good example. You had your nine to five, you did your side hustle, you grew your side hustle, and now you're enjoying the benefits. I think we need more role models who do that and don't. Um, but there's a natural proclivity in Australia, and we've probably all done it, to tear down people for being successful. Yes, I, I am guilty of previously having done that, mm. of being a victim to the tall poppy syndrome. Mm. I think it is definitely something you can grow out of, but it requires education and I think quite mm. a lot of work on your own psychology. Yeah, like even um, I've got the view with even money podcasters mm. in Australia. Yeah. Like as far as I'm concerned, we're all on the same team and I've got no quote unquote competition. And I work very closely with Victoria Devine from She's mm. on the Money and we you know, we did a four hour Zoom call the other day together. Just like I think that's great. hanging out, chatting and just talking about life and what we can do with our podcasts and yeah, I, I just So I'm gonna throw in some mindset things here. Oh. Totally deviated from yeah, our hobbies. But have you, I'm assuming you've heard of the mentality of abundance versus the mentality of poverty. Yeah, like the growth mindset stuff. Exactly. So that example shows that you and Victoria just so clearly, and as a listener to both of your podcasts, Mm. it was clear you have the the mindset of abundance. Um, Mm. But I think a lot of people think that success is so scarce that if someone's got success, it means that there's less success left for them. But that's not true. There's success and room enough for everyone. Yeah. And I've always had the view that even with my own previous financial planning business, mm. that there's enough work for everybody. If someone came to my business and they were already kind of seeing an advisor, mm-hmm. I'd be like, no, go back and see them. Like they can hook you up. There's no need for you to come to me uh, because I don't want to take business from someone down the road. I think that is so cool. Yeah. I, but it's for me, the whole thing is- in life, I would rather do things slower, mm-hmm. organically, um, maybe try and have some integrity along the way. Maybe. <laughs> like, I, I mean, but this is it. No, like th- everybody's a hypocrite. You know, mm. if you've got a mouth and you're a human, you're a hypocrite. Yeah. Just because we all say stuff and we look back and like, oh, that was ridiculous. But I think 
I, I say to the people who want to pull people down and, you know, do better than other people at their expense, well, mm. I'll do my way slow and steady. Let's compare notes in 20 years. Yeah. Yeah. You're, you're an interesting blend of cynical and generous. Mm, interesting. <laughs> How do you mean? <laughs> well, well, your comment about, you know, everyone who has a, has, has a mouth is, is... Yeah, like I, 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 I would say I'm probably a pragmatist. I like that word, yeah. Because it's true. Like everybody listening right now, me included, you, Lauren, we mm-hmm. can all think of situations where we've said something and it's like, oh, that was actually hypocritical. Oh, God, yeah. Um, oh, God, yeah. Just, yeah. You know what I mean? So, and this is why, actually, I had lunch with somebody this while I was running late. Mm. Glenn was late for everyone. Yeah. Sorry, people. Um <laughs> Sorry to keep you waiting out the front. Um, it's okay. I made friends. And we were talking about, and she asked me, what have I learned from doing this podcast? Mm. And I said, to be honest, I think I'm a better person in terms of listening mm-hmm. and hearing somebody else's point of view and why they believe that. Hmm. Knowing that nobody is above anyone else and no one is better than anyone else. We're all just people on a speck of dust traveling Spinning. with the speed of light, yeah. speeding through infinity, Like, which is pretty wild. So, realistically, we can all learn from each other. No one's better than anyone else. I don't care if you've got $2 million, you're not better than the person that lives next door that has one cent. Mm-hmm. Like, you, As a human, you are not better. I, I like that and I hope that more people start to realize that. Yeah, because there's enough crap in life from stuff that no one can control. Mm. So we can control things and yeah. that can be like, well, I'm going to control how I react to situations mm. and I'm going to be an asshole or am I going to have- Am I going to be nice? Am I going to have nice and be, have grace for somebody? Yeah. So. Um, I've actually encountered, this is something I picked up quite early on working at the stables is some of the people who come in just for a day ride uh, they look at you, you're, you know, covered in, in sweat and dust and you're running around tacking up horses and getting them on and they don't treat you that nicely. You're just a stable girl, right? Um, and then you're on like a two, three hour ride and you start converse- conversation. They ask me, you know, is this your full-time job? And I say, no, I, I, I work at a bank. I'm a risk manager. How they treat me changes instantly. Mm. And I absolutely, I just like... If they were disrespectful to me, I had no respect for them. But then seeing how quickly they changed, learning that I wasn't just a stable girl was quite appalling, actually. And it's very frequent. Yeah. It's just ridiculous. Mm. I mean, but hey, you had a stable job and they don't. Um, but you yeah, look so I, proud I, of yourself. I know. I know I was okay, that was a good it. one. That was yeah. a good <laughs> But I mean, and this is why it's kind of cool to get random people in to interview on the show because conversations can go wherever. And we're not talking about expensive hobbies anymore. No, whatever, right? <laughs> but it's like what I really hated was, um, so I've been to Indonesia a handful of times, mm-hmm. countless Okay. Like the classic Bali or did you Bali, go Bali, I've been to Java, I've mm. been... So, I've spent a bit of time there. One of my pet peeves, pet hates on this freaking planet is you go to Indonesia, you're on holidays there and there's all these Aussies mm. treating the Balinese like they're dirt. Oh, Whereas like, no, they're just... actually smarter than you. They can speak two languages, idiot. 
Why do you make fun of someone with broken English? It means that they speak two languages. Yeah. You should be respectful. Totally. Like, totally. It's just, yeah. It just blows my mind that... Um, but also the sense of entitlement. You've gone to someone's home. It's their country, not yours. Yeah. Why are you being an ass? Yeah. Oh, I can't stand that. So Yeah, we're on the same page yeah. there. But that's cool. So... Um, I think that's it's a good lesson for everyone to learn. Like, how can you get creative mm. with your hobbies? And actually, on the on the hobby thing with um, the boat, mm-hmm. I did get creative because I went halves with a friend. Yeah. Now, the reason I, I would probably caution it in a couple of instances. Mm-hmm. So, the first one is my friend Tim and I. We've had a, a long term friendship. He's my. Uh, him and his wife, Karina, I've known them for, you know, hundreds of years. <laughs> and we've got a long-term robust friendship. Number two, we're both financially secure in our own right. Mm. Okay. So, sure, we both threw 13 grand at the boat. Arguably, I, I thought it would be a lot more than that. We got a good deal. So, I think we paid yeah. like, oh, I forget. It was maybe 20, I always call it 25 grand for the sake of it, mm. um, 25 grand for the boat, where I've seen them online since. Like we got a really good deal for mm. like up to 60 grand. That's just so, so much money. That's, yeah. I think that's the average Australian's yearly salary. Yeah, it's just wild. So it, it is a luxury thing, but we went halves mm-hmm. to lessen the financial impact for both of us. Mm-hmm. And we're at the stage financially if there was an issue with money yeah. for both of us, and this sounds weird and entitled and I get it, but if the boat disappeared yeah. and it wasn't insured, and it is insured, but mm-hmm. if we both lost 13 grand each, our life isn't a financial disaster. So I would caution doing it with a friend if you haven't got to a financial critical mass in your mm-hmm. life. Yeah. And the way I saw it was, we can go halves. We'll probably use it the same amount as if we owned it ourselves. Mm-hmm. So it just made sense for us to. And we you know we've got a shared Google sheet, and we just put like, yeah, I bought a new flare kit because I want to go outside, and you know, put that on the sheet, and we just track it. So, did you I, ever draw like a kind of contract or agreement between the two of you? No. Um, you didn't get a boat prenup. We didn't get a, a boat nup. Um, <laughs> That ship sailed, um, <laughs> but but it, again, at the risk of sounding really arrogant, in our world, it's such a low value item, mm. and that's just the the fact of it. It's no, I th- I think that's just smart, and I on I. I like hearing that message because I think too many people still go out and buy things above their means before they're ready. I Yeah, and that's the whole thing, isn't it? Like, I, I have a friend who spent double what you spent on the boat on a new car by herself and now has car finance. I mean, why? Yeah. It's, <laughs> what you did was so much smarter. Yeah, and I think, yeah. But it goes back to the expensive hobbies. Mm. If you're up to your eyes in personal debt, if you want to save and buy a house and you're you're in a financial mess or you can't aff- if you stretch to pay the electricity bill yeah maybe that time in your life isn't right for a luxury agreed because so, an expensive hobby is a luxury it is it is and you know, playing tennis is a hobby but that's not a luxury because it could probably cost 10 dollars for a game yeah 
Um, and I probably should have, have made that clearer uh, earlier on when you said, you know, what did I do to save to be able to buy a house? Yes, I was able to save a lot through those years where I didn't pay rent, but I started saving when I was a kid. Yeah. Um, I always was t- taught how to save and I just put myself on a really strict budget and I monetized my horse riding hobby, but I also took on writing work on the side to make mm. more money. So... I think being financially savvy is so important before you make big purchases like a boat. Yeah. Or any luxury. Any, yeah. So, I I do this um, pyramid Mm -hmm. and I think we're about to reshoot the module and I'm going to put it in the Glen James Spending Plan module Mm -hmm. and this uh, spending pyramid. And it's like you've got baseline expenses, you've got um, wants, needs, Mm. and it kind of goes up to premium and luxury items. Your version of Maslow's pyramid. Yeah, and that's what it's basically off. Because it's like, you know, the whole self-actualization thing. Mm-hmm. I'm not going on a five-day silent yoga retreat if I can't afford rent and food. No. So, it's this order. And a lot of the times with people's budgets, they're strapped for cash and can't afford the f- uh, electricity bill because they're they're doing equestrian. Yeah. Where equestrian isn't evil, and it's, but it's a priority. It's how you use it. It's how it's just you. Yeah. You've got to set your life up in order. So I'm guilty of that, but in a really weird way. Yeah. So my latest obsession is investing, and I am guilty of I get my paycheck and I'm like, ooh, what am I going to buy? Mm. And then I get paid fortnightly, so I buy. I put way too much money in the stock market, and then the next week I'm like, oh, I have to pay gas this week. What am I going to do? And it's it's a strange situation to be in because when I'm spending the money, I'm like, oh, I'm, I'm being so virtuous. I'm investing for my future. But actually that's like I'm spending the money and I need to keep some to pay my gas bill or buy groceries. We're going to take a quick break and I'm going to come back and ask you a personal question. Oh, no. If you're after personal financial advice, don't get it from a podcast. If you would like help based on your own personal situation, head over to sortyourmoneyout.com. Click get help and we'd be happy to introduce you to one of our trusted advisors. Our panel of advisors, mortgage brokers and accountants work with clients all over Australia so they can connect with you wherever you are. That's sortyourmoneyout.com and click get help. All right, we're back. Uh, Okay, personal question. Okay. Have you used the Glenn James spending plan? I haven't. Why the Never. hell not? It sounds like you need to. I think I, I might need to, especially if you're redoing the pyramid. Yeah, absolutely. I am a very stubborn human who likes to think I can do things on my own. Well. I think I need a spending plan. Some things you can, clearly. Well, we, we, we all can't be good at everything. Our, our name isn't all. Don't, don't, don't say that. Oh, really? Don't say such <laughs> mean things to me. Sure, you can be good at everything. Um, and then the second personal question, mm-hmm. um, do you live with your partner? I do. And do you share money? No, we don't. Mm. So he and I- Is he the one? I think so. <laughs> Why he's am gotta, I whispering? He's got to put a ring on it. <laughs> I know you're listening. <laughs> no, I, that was a joke. Um, so- My partner and I have been very open about finances from day dot. Um, I was actually in like a very big spending phase when we met and he's, Mm -hmm. I think you, you didn't, you didn't express episode that I listened to on this, but being a saver and a spender in a relationship. Yeah. I am actually, I go through spending periods and he is just naturally a saver. Yeah. They'll catch you those savers. Oh man. And 
he just does it so effortlessly. Um, so he actually helped me end my spending period and start saving, which wow. I am very, it was, you know, we had some tense moments, um, but he actually really helped me and we kind of are on this journey together. So we openly discuss stocks and in investments. Um, we invested in his friend's business together. So we really put our money together, but in terms of banking and expenses, we keep them separate. We yeah, have right. one account that we use. We transfer $55 on there every week and that's our like date night money. Mm -hmm. And apart from that, everything else is separate. Sorry, and he lives with you, yeah? Yes. Yeah. Um, yeah, okay. Well, do you, do you see it changing ever? Um, well, our arrangement now is obviously I have a mortgage. Yeah. So, he pays me a small weekly amount that does go to help cover utilities, which I think is fair. Mm. Um, and if he buys a property, then it'll be the reverse. Mm. But both of us want to keep the majority of our finances separate. Um, Forever? I think so. Yeah. I, and I really, like, I can't speak from a, because um, I don't have a a partner that I'm living with or mm. anything like that. Oh, the whisper's back. Uh, so, I, I, I'm, I'm, yeah, I, I don't know because I can't speak of being in a long-term committed relationship with sharing homes and monies and all that stuff. But I would just think from a practical point of view, you might have more efficiencies and ease of life admin if it's like mm. all our money goes into this account and we I split it. I don't know. Um, I think one of the things is I am naturally a spender and he is naturally a saver. And when I have weeks where I want to spend, I don't mm, want to be told. Yeah, move aside. I'm yeah, like get out of the buying. way. The yeah. sale is on. I'll use the cash back app so that I get some money back, but I would I prefer keeping our money separate. I like that we have a joint account for shared expenses and um, we do have an account where we save for holidays together, mm. um, but that's for special occasions. Yeah, sounds um, cute. It is pretty cute. And yeah. it gives us our independence, yeah, which is I, so important. I think I've um, resolved that with the whole couples and money thing, mm. do whatever you want, like it doesn't impact me, but like every area of your life, you would hope that you are intentional and active with the things yeah. that matter. So it sounds like you have both been intentional and active how we will just be roommates with benefits. <laughs> <laughs> he does also get rid of the spiders. So yeah, there you I go. think I'm winning. Yeah. Um, no, we were absolutely a hundred percent intentional um, and it, and it really works for us. I think if we were to share, we would probably have arguments. I mean, I do have a bit of an Uber Eats addiction. Oh. Um, and he absolutely doesn't see the point in it. So, by having separate finances, it just, it's not an issue. So, there's a, um, <laughs> a speaking of like getting to know your Uber Eats person, um, <laughs> there's a 7-Eleven down the road from where I live. Oh, yeah. And so, I've got this rule that I don't keep ice cream in my house, but I may get a small tub like for a weekend. Okay. When you say small, are you talking like one portion small? Are you talking like a good Ben and Jerry size? The Ben and Jerry oh, size. Oh, the good Ben and Jerry's, yeah. And I mean, let's be honest, I can smash one of them easy. Oh, in an hour. It's just gone. <laughs> an hour? It's liquid. Give me, give me 10 minutes in the corner <laughs> with that baby. I mean, it's gone. Mm. But um, 
yeah, I, like I know the lady who works there just from dropping in every like fortnight or whatever to get some Ben and Jerry's. <laughs> and then the other night I had people over for a barbecue or a pizza night, yeah. friend was going away. And I'm like, oh, we need some ice cream, guys. So I drove down and bought like five... There was $72 worth of Ben and Jerry's that oh I bought God. from the service station and her eyes lit up. I'm like, yeah, it's not all for me. <laughs> it's been a hard week, okay. Yeah. No, the I've had an Uber driver uh, deliver something and he looked at me and he's like, again? And I was like, <sighs> I, was like I don't recognise you, but I'm going to tip you. I'm sorry. Yeah, how funny. But don't shame me. I'm hardworking. Yeah. Well, we might leave it there. Lauren, thank you so much for dropping in and having a chat. It was great. Thanks for having me. No worries. And we'll see you guys soon. Bye. Bye. We acknowledge the dark and young people, traditional custodians of the land on which our studio sits and pay respect to their elders past and present. We extend that respect to Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander peoples who may listen to our podcast. My Millennial Money supports A21, a charity focused on abolishing slavery and human trafficking all over the world. Check out a21.org.au for more info. If you would like some other giving options or if you're unsure about which charity you can support, head to thelifeyoucansave.org.au. This podcast is for education and entertainment purposes. Any advice is general financial advice only, which does not take into account your objectives, financial situation, or needs. Because of that, you should consider if the advice is appropriate to you and your needs before acting on the information. If you do choose to buy a financial product, read the product disclosure statement and obtain appropriate financial advice tailored to your needs. Simo Interactive, Proprietary Limited, the publisher of the podcast, is an authorized representative of Money Sherpa, Proprietary Limited, which holds financial services license 451289. Head over to Hulu this March, where our new shows and movies will keep you streaming all month long. Catch the acclaimed movie, All of Us Strangers, starring Paul Mescal and Andrew Scott. Stream the new Hulu original limited series, We Were the Lucky Ones, with Joey King and Logan Lerman. And don't forget about Grey's Anatomy. Every Grey's episode ever is now streaming on Hulu. So, what are you waiting for? Go stream something new on Hulu.